Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Nesman Hockey Podcast. James Nichols and John Sella here with you, as always. And we welcome a very special guest today. Uh, back to the show, everyone's favorite media personality, Nick Alberga, joins us today. Uh, welcome back, Nick. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Els Nation. What's going on? Great to be with you once again, and thanks for having me. What's going on with you guys? <laughs> same old, same old. Uh, looking for as as much as we can get this summer, right? Because uh, as we all know, it's been uh, the, the summer of Lou, and uh, that doesn't necessarily mean uh, much in, in terms of uh, transactions and such for the Islanders, but it is now September. Uh, training camp is just weeks away. Uh, prospect camp is tonight as you're, or today as you're listening to this, and we still don't know who's going to be there because, again, Lou Lamorello, but uh, <laughs> we're going <laughs> to push past the prospects, and we're going we're gonna to get right into the nitty-gritty. Nick, you're on the NHL Fantasy Podcast, and um, you know I was looking at, some of the projections and stuff and uh, point totals and everything, uh, and even some breakout players that you had named. And I want to start um, before we even get there. Um, and before we talk about any individual Islanders, what are your thoughts on how the offseason played out uh, for the Islanders uh, heading into next season? It's funny. You call it the summer of Lou. I call it the summer of Pooh. <laughs> I, I expected way more for the New York Islanders boys. Like, I think they're a team that's on the precipice, clearly a couple of years back, removed from back-to-back conference finals, and this is how you reward the fan base. And I understand it's a tough league. It's tough to make transactions like this. you got to believe in somebody who has the pedigree uh, that Lou Lamarillo does. But I, for one, come away very, very disappointed with where I thought that team was going. I expect a bounce back still. Like I think you look at that roster composition. I still think they're a really, really good team, notwithstanding a 13-game um, you know, road stand at the start of the season, I think is going to be a big time. Uh, you know, the fact that they won't have to be on the road for 13 games. Like, it was just crazy. Uh, they were, not to make excuses for them last year, but they were up against it right away. So, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a competitive division. I think when you look at the Islanders, I think they're better than what some people are giving them credit for. But I would have liked to see a bit more. I, I just think they need that bona fide sniper, guys, whether it's a Vladimir Tarasenko or, you know, if it was somebody, you know, Johnny Goodrow or, you know, even, uh, you know, Vander or, or Nazem Kadri, excuse me, is coming off a fantastic season as well. And they just have been unable to solidify that hired gun, if that makes sense. So I think it's been a disappointing offseason, quite frankly. I want to ask just a quick question, James, before you before you jump in. Can the Islanders afford it at this point? I'm not talking about the dollars and cents. I'm talking more about on the asset front because I have a hot take after you answer this question about my my opinion on 
where the team is. And we're trying not to jump too far ahead trade deadline next summer, the Barzell situation. Yeah. But it is I, I have a hot take for the rest of the season. But I wanted to, I wanted to get it from you. Do they have the assets really to do that? Again, forgetting about having to move contracts out and all that. I think anything's possible. Um, I think ultimately it depends on how they feel about this team. As we know, they have some prospects. They have a goaltender who's a year away from UFA status. Like there are some guys you can move around and you can make anything work that you want to put your mind to it. But as we know with Lou Lamorello, like he's got a price tag. If you don't meet it any way around it, whether he's selling or buying, he's just not going to do business with you. And it is an old school approach, but I think we're in the land of like, you look at Pierre Dorian and Brad Chaliving, how they really went after things, Jarmo Kekalainen. I think you have to be, yeah, you got to be assertive, but you also have to be aggressive. And Lula Lamorella over the years has been somebody who's been very, very, very patient. And he seems to acquire that guy when you don't expect it to go down. So I would say expect the unexpected. I think he's involved in a variety of different conversations. And to the best of my knowledge, I think the Islanders have the assets to make it happen. It's just more so the stubbornness of the GM, I think. So my hot take is that if they can't do it with this group as currently constructed, that's it. Stop spending assets. You don't have it. You you have a few players at this point in Ratu and Dufour, maybe Dufour, um, and Salo up and coming in Dobson. I, I don't know. I don't know how you do it without actually moving out some of the bigger contracts. If it doesn't work with with a Bailey and a Palmieri and a Pajot. You, you really got to not rebuild, but retool, you know, something a lot, some other teams have done in, in, in kind of short order. I don't know that you can supplement it on this roster. Like it either works as constructed as Lou, you know, wants it to be. I don't know what the trade deadline that they make a move. Like if it's not working by that point, I'm of the mind, just kind of like let it ride and go to the draft or whatever and get, get assets back for, for some of those things and figure it out from there. I understand the pessimism, but again, I just have to, like, I do truly feel like last year was an anomaly, like from, from the get-go, like we were all excited, obviously with the new arena and welcoming it into the NHL, but to ask a team, and I know there's some breaks in between, but to play 13 straight road games, I think just cursed them for the season. And again, I'm not making excuses. I'm the last person to make excuses for this franchise, but I think they were up against it. And then you add in COVID and all that, you add in injuries, they just never got cooking. And that's why oh, I, think I, don't, I, don't start to mm-hmm. I don't disagree yeah. at all. I'm yeah. just saying, you know, yeah. now there's, there's not, there's no excuses at all this year. Like, yeah, no, granted, I agree. I like agree. A like billion you. injuries, but go it yeah. this year. Like you mean to continue and make decisions from there, I, I, I suppose, but I don't know that you can spend another first round draft pick or, you know, whatever that's now three or four years in a row without a first rounder. James would know more than me on that i think it's three years in a row no no first round draft pick um so it's either it's this group robust like they either mm-hmm. can do it or they can't and then next yeah. summer you you, you know you, you have a, a a few more contracts off the books you can figure things out but you know i want to get through this season first but i'm just i was just wondering what you thought about the on the asset front um, before we yeah. jump too far into things james how do you see it you know, it, it depends on, like John said, if they're if they're in the equation or if they're not, right? If they're not in the equation, there's no reason to spend a first-round draft pick, especially in, you know, the upcoming draft that's been pegged as one of the deepest in the in the NHL uh, or coming to the NHL in a long time, right? You have Conor Bedard and a number of other guys who can be labeled as possible franchise players moving forward. But if they're in the thick of it, um, you know, Nick, I'm, I'm with you. I think that this team does have uh, – 
uh, in them for a rebound year. You know, you're not going to see, aside from the plethora of obstacles they had to start the season that that Nick mentioned, you're not going to see Kyle Palmieri going missing for 29 games at a time, uh, not finding the back of the net. You're not going to see, um, you know, I, I don't think you're going to see another performance that Matthew Barzell um, put up last season where, you know, he was, he was inconsistent. Like we're, when we'll talk a little bit about him later, I think he has the tools to be, you know, a, among the best in the NHL, but uh, he's got to put it all together. You're not going to see a guy like Anthony Bavillier, in my opinion, go missing in, in a non-trot system anymore. It's going to be similar, but I think he might, uh, and, and he, I mean, Lambert might let them uh, wheel and deal a little bit more. Um, but that actually leads me to my next question, Nick, you know, Lane Lambert did state um, today or, or yesterday that, um, he's comfortable with this group. He, he's perfectly fine with running it back with these guys. Is that just hockey talk or does he actually see, you know, something in, in the group that he has? It's somewhere in between to answer your question. I think this is somebody finally getting an opportunity to coach at the NHL level. So he's going to say and back up his, his GM, whatever way he can. Um, I, I was very curious about that. Barry Trotz. Like I just would love to be a fly on the wall as to how all that went down. And then you sort of don't hire outside but you bring somebody who's already been there within and lane lambert to, to coach this team very curious but i think it could mean you know a small difference and a tangible difference for a lot of different players on this roster like the one guy i'm looking at is oliver wallstrom right he seemed to be secluded on the third line under barry trotz does he get a permanent look in the top six i i think he's a massive breakout candidate this season i think he make fascinating points as well on the likes of barzal and bovillier and you know, Nelson's coming off fantastic year. Like, there's guys on this team who can score. I just think you need that player who goes above and beyond that hired gun, if you will, that you see across this league and you see teams winning. Quite frankly, I think that's what was missing from those Isles teams who kept losing in the conference finals is they didn't really have that guy to score the the big goal, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and you, you wanted to see Matthew Barzell become that guy, you know, as soon as last year when the team was down and they needed somebody to – you know, rise up and, and put the team on their back. You wanted Barzell to break out um, and, and just put himself in the, because, you know, that's that's a player who, in my opinion, has the tools to put his name in the same conversation as the McKinnons in this league and, and the McDavid's in this league. Like, he, when you look at him, he's got that flash, but he's got to put it together. A um, little more about him later, but that being said, 2021-22 was an anomaly, Nick, you say. So mm -hmm. your opinion, the Islanders make it back to the postseason in 23? I do. Like, I think this division is obviously much improved. You have Johnny Hockey going home in quotations to Columbus. I think that makes them a better team. I think Elvis Merzlikens is a better goalie than leading on the last couple of years. I think the Devils are a better team. Like, no doubt there's going to be stiff competition, but I think if the Islanders play their brand that we've seen and maybe modify it a tad under Lane Lambert, um, I think Ilya Sorokin has the potential to be a Vesna finalist this season. And I expect much more from contract year Semyon Varlamov. Like, I didn't think he was particularly good for the most part last year. And if you get that tandem cooking, and we've seen in the past, the Islanders are a tough team, and then we expect maybe a bit more offense, especially if you can get Oliver Wallstrom going. Like that, that's a big player for me moving forward for this team. Yeah, so we, we spoke about Oliver Wallstrom a little bit, and you know, now talking about individual players here, you, you alluded yeah. to the fact that maybe deployment was a little bit of what hindered Wallstrom's um, development last season. Um, but going into the season, you know, maybe he'll receive a top six role. What is it specifically though about Wallstrom that makes him one of your breakout candidates uh, aside from deployment? What are you seeing in his game that you like uh, him as someone who can break out this year? Well, it's it's like supply and demand. Like this Islanders team doesn't have that bona fide sniper, but do they, right? Like 
I just think you look at the body of work, you look what he's put together throughout his career. You look at that brick tournament video when he was 11, like this guy's got all the factors <laughs> and the abilities and the talent to be that guy that you're looking for. Right. And you don't have to pay him 7 million bucks per season. Again, it's like little changes in the, in the hockey world and the sports world that go a long way. And I just think maybe like a different voice leading the charge, I think could, could go a long way in the progression. Uh, you know, that's obviously a big word we're looking for when we're, we're talking about Wall Street is progression and growth. And to me, I just think it's the pizzazz. It's the talent level. Like, I, I just think you, you think New York Islanders, they're a gritty, hardworking team. But I think Wallstrom has the ability to be that type of player, but go above and beyond and be that finisher that they're actually looking for. So same similar question, but for a, a different uh, prospect, if you will, he's not so much a prospect anymore, but in Kiefer Bellows, he hasn't really had, you know, too much of the same sample size as Oliver Wallstrom. But you look at his, uh, you know, pre NHL career, 41 goals with the Portland Winterhawks, 50 goals with the U.S. National Under 18 team. This guy knows how to put pucks in the net. Is it a supply and demand thing with him too? Does he just need the opportunity and the deployment? Does he have the tools to make it or hack it at the NHL level? Well, that's going to be the big question with Kiefer Bellows, right? Like, uh, again, uh, you you can't use the excuse of like Barry Trotz. You have Lane Lambert in the mix now, and he's at an age at 24 where it's sort of make it or break it time, right? And I think the Islanders realize that. If he can't stick and be a full-time NHLer and prove his worth, then I don't know if Kiefer Bellows is going to be long for this New York Islanders team, but I mean, to, to that point, like he's going to get every opportunity, I think in training camp to not only crack this roster, but be a prolific piece on this roster. I think, you, you know, depth is so big in this day and age in the NHL, you know, you need your third line to score. You need your first line to score. You need your fourth line to chip in from time to time. I think clearly there's an opportunity and a spot for Kiefer Bellows at this point. I think it's up to him to seize it and he can't really make excuses anymore. So I think it's a massive year for him. I, I hear you on that, that the one-year deal really screams, you know, prove it, right? Um, yeah. And although he hasn't really been given that opportunity, he did get, you know, the one-year. John John wasn't in love with the one-by-two. He kind of he kind of said, you know, what's the, uh, what's the $1.2 million for? He didn't really do anything. Do we have to sign him for that much? Well, for another um, guy, they're, they're, how, who could you have signed that was further along? You could have signed uh, Sonny Milano. But probably the same thing, and who has the creativity, who really could have pushed the limit. Bellows isn't going to create that internal competition with a Wallstrom, a Parise, a Bavillier. Milano would absolutely do that. And again, for the same price. And if you do have an injury, Bellows was just kind of thrown in there. And he didn't do, he's not a top six player. So you're really just, is he just an insurance factor? They know him for Parise it just didn't make any sense like for for what he actually offers and what else was out there like if you were going to make a sneaky little move I feel like a Milano would have made a lot more sense yeah I would just add that it's 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 clear that they still see something in him right um I think there's obviously that attachment to a homegrown player like that who's been there from, from the draft like it, again there's so many different factors and things and, and intangibles behind the scenes that we don't know about either but like I see your point. I think you see an opportunity as a fan base or with the team to better yourself uh, immediately and they don't take it. You, you start to have questions. But again, Bellows is hoping this is the year, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, it, it does become puzzling. Like you say, you know, you see that talent out there. But, um, no. you know, and, and I think even Lambert did, did say recently that he doesn't anticipate any PTO. So 
you know, this is this is largely what, what they're going to get. They're going to have competition from within. They're going to be uh, battling with each other for roster position. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens with with Wallstrom. We'll even see what happens with Bellows. Uh, but those are two players, like much like you, Nick. I was I had my eye on going into uh, going into training camp because you know one of the other things too about Lambert is I think he's a little bit more willing to work with his youth. I know that he was a large part in in um, the development of both Evgeny Kuznetsov and Tom Wilson when they each had breakout years with the Washington Capitals. Uh, so I think he'll be more willing to work with those guys uh, in the lineup, you know, not sit them for an entire period or bench them after they had, a, you know, a, a bad game or maybe you know, a couple of bad shifts. So um, that's going to be important for the development of those two. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason I, I, I uh, much like you, Nick, I'm not sure what the thought process is when it wasn't firing Barry Trotz, but I think that has to be part of the reason uh, why, why Lambert is now behind the bench is, you know, having the, willingness to work with the youth and, and develop them a little bit better. Yeah. And it's a bit of a fresh voice and a new voice, right? I understand he was there, but you know what I'm saying? Um, I think you look at Barry Trotz, it was quite definitive why he was brought in. He's a closer. Uh, you know, he got them close, won a Stanley cup with Washington. He was a big time free agent, found his way to, to the Islanders. And it, it made a lot of sense. Um, but I think obviously they, they've, they've turned the page and I think you're bang on in that assessment. The hope is that Lane Lambert can, do wonders more for those types of players than he can for, you know, the vets on this team that we saw time and time again, Barry Trotz, Lou Lamoureux have put so much trust in those guys, but let's not forget it's a young man's game. So without your young stars, like your Barzells and your Dobsons, you're going nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, speaking of, of Barzell, we alluded to before the fact, or I alluded to before the fact that I think he has the tools to, you know, be in that conversation with the McKinnons, the McDavid's, right? He's got that flash. He's got that flair. Contract year Barzell, 59 points last season. Do you see a bounce back from him this year? And does he put himself in that conversation? Yeah, 1 million percent. Like, this is the guy I've identified, in fact, in fantasy hockey that I think he's in my top 100. Uh, I know the, the you know, uh, Pete and Anna over at NHL.com and, and NHL Fantasy have him slotted a bit uh, lower, but I feel a bit higher. I think in Matthew Barzell, I know, you know, it's just the recency factor, right? And even the fact that two years back, he only played 55 games but had 45 points. I think we're more likely to see the Matt Barzell, who's closer to a point per game, than we are to see the one that had 59 and 73, which is pretty damn close. But I agree with you uh, completely. I think there's another level for this player to get to. And it's crazy what players will do when they're motivated by a potential of a new contract. So all I'll say is watch out for contract here, Matthew Barzell, as you just brought up. And I think he's going to be a very motivated and driven player this year. Because, you know, whether we believe it or not, I think players take things to heart sometimes more than they should. And even... Your coach got canned, right? So, like, wake the hell up. I, I think across the roster, it's sort of a trigger to, to get cooking and to get going and, and and know that it was unacceptable what happened last season, regardless of everything around them. Yeah, no, I, t I totally hear you there. And it, it kind of reminds me, too, of the, uh, you know, when you said players take things to heart. Um, you know, I think he wanted to be a, a different kind of leader than, than John Tavares was when he was with the Islanders. I think he took it to heart, yeah. actually, that John Tavares left. And so I think that he is... Um, a, a little bit branded by that and wants to make sure that he is a, 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 not only a, a vocal leader, but a visual leader uh, for the, for the locker room as well. So, um, but a, a yeah. lot of that has to do with, you know, who is he going to play with this season, right? We saw a revolving door of that last year, just because, you know, there was the COVID stints that certain players went on and then he, he was on one as well. So their door kept going and going. 
Um, but he needs consistency this year. You know, the anticipation is that it's not going to be that kind of season where there's going to be a lot of misses because of COVID. Fingers crossed, right? Um, Parise was on his wing for a while. Wallstrom was on his wing for a little while. Andrews Lee started the year there with him. Um, maybe Kyle Palmieri gets up there. Who are his ideal line mates on this roster right now for you, Nick? Okay, so we just talked about Oliver Wallstrom. We think he's going to be a top six player. Matthew Barzell is one of the better playmakers for my money in this league. I think that's a duo match made in heaven right there. So I'd have probably, you know, Wallstrom on one wing in my perfect world and Lee on the other wing. I think you have to set players up, um, you know, with a chance to succeed and, and be the best that they can be. And what better than having Anders Lee, who's a hired gun, a sniper when he's at his best, and Oliver Wallstrom, who has the potential. To me, that's the perfect trio. It's your number one line. And then you go, go forward to Brock Nelson as your number two, right? Yeah, I, I've I've said that a couple of times too to John. I think I've said, you know, I, I love the idea of having Matthew Barzell just skating circles around everybody and, and you know making everybody confused on the ice. And all of a sudden, all, all Oliver Wallstrom has to do is get open and shoot the puck. And if that puck doesn't mm-hmm. go in, well, Anders Lee is one of the better net front presence, presences yeah. in the league. He's just going to be there and, and clean up that garbage. So I absolutely agree with you there. The only problem there is Lee and Nelson found a little bit of chemistry. Uh, when they were paired up last season, rekindled um, chemistry. Mm-hmm. They had they had right, been a, they had been a pair for years before that. Yeah. So, and, and a couple episodes uh, back, we had Shayna Goldman on the podcast from the Athletic, and and she had wondered and was curious about the possibility of putting Anthony Bouvillier on that line to not only revitalize him but give them a dynamic uh, line with speed. What are your thoughts mm-hmm. on on how to elevate Anthony Bouvillier's game and if he can? find his uh, game under Lane Lambert this season. Yeah, I think the main word with Beauvillier is consistency. Like how you can go from a guy who's scoring, you know, scoring six goals in four games, 0-16 is beyond me. But like, again, with a lot of young players, consistency is an issue. So that's more of my question with with a guy like Beauvillier. I think he's proven that he can score and produce and provide at this level. But again, along those lines, um, you know, players in that age demographic, like consistency is a thing and proving it night in and night out. Um, I like that look too. Like I, I think this day and age, we put way more stock in line and deployment uh, than we, we should. I think obviously we're going to see a variety of different combinations, especially now with Lambert, who knows what kind of ideas he had, you know, as Barry Trotz's right-hand man. So I think, you know, you'll see Barzal with Lee, you'll see Barzal with Wallstrom, Beauvillier, Paul Mary, Bailey. Like I think all these guys are going to get a legitimate look and that's what training camp is for. And then the expectation and hope is that you drop the puck for game one of 82 and you're ready to go and you're scoring goals, right? I think when you look at this Islanders team, you think they're going to be strong defensively. You have Sorokin, one of the best goaltenders on the planet. Where's the offense coming from? And I think if they can get that consistency from the Beauvilliers, the Barzals, you know, the Nelsons, the Lees, and obviously Oliver Wallstrom, I think that puts this team in a really, really successful position or at least a position to succeed this season. Yeah, I think with Bavillier on that top line, a 25 and underline for the Islanders would help kind of kick that uh, this roster's a little old thing down the road if that's your, your top line. Then you have three lines of veterans. You know, you don't – let's put the defense in your back pocket for a second. Let let the kids go. Let them do their thing. Um, there have been a lot of lines with success around the league like that. Um, and Bavillier and Barzell have still been around for four or five seasons now. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's it's not like it's they're they're super young, but twenty five and and under that you know they're both twenty five this season. Wallstrom is the the only under there. 
that could be exciting. I say at least give it a shot in the in the preseason. Let them let them run, and you know that's, that's a lot of speed and that's that's a lot of skill and you know on the shooting aspect. So um, I'd I'd love to see that given how much you know Palmieri played with Pajot really well, Lee and Nelson. Then you're kind of just you know rearranging uh, a couple of wingers here and there. And again, I just don't think this team is far off, James, from where they were, you know, a couple of years ago. Again, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe I shouldn't. I know there's a lot of pessimistic Islanders fans considering how last year went, but we just talked about like it's been a crazy last two and a half years with COVID and the breaks last year. Like I just thought it was hell for a lot of teams and the Islanders were top five in that conversation. So I'm very, very curious and I just don't know if they're getting the respect they should be getting right now going into the season. Yeah, I hear that, Nick. And and one of the things about that, too, and something I constantly like to, to remind people of is, you know, they went to back to back Eastern Conference finals and you can say, you know, oh, well, the Tampa Bay Lightning did it, too. Um, but this summer, right, was the longest summer they've had since before Barry Trotz to rest, to recover. There's not going to be one, as confirmed by Lane Lambert today, there's not going to be one player coming into training camp who is dealing with a lingering injury or anything of the sort. So um, a well-rested team with a chip on their shoulder. Um, You know, there have been people who have said this team is is garbage. They're going to finish last in the the Metropolitan Division. I'm with you, Nick. I think they're they're a wild-card team. They could even, you know, even even compete for uh, uh, second or third in the Metro. Yeah, I think it's a blessing in disguise, quite honestly. Like, that's a really, really good point that they've had this long, long time off to really dwell on what happened last season, but also recover from what happened last season. So you can't make that excuse anymore. They're going to be fresh, and I think there's opportunity, and I think the word we're, we're looking for again with this team is structure. Like I really don't think it matters that much who's on this roster because they play so much like a team. Um, you know, They play the best team game for my money in this league. They have strong D. They have strong goaltending. So work to your strengths, and I think we'll see that Islanders-type team again this season. Nassim and Hockey is brought to you by DraftKings. The NFL's opening week was action-packed, and it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Nassim and Hockey is also brought to you by Raycon. Lately, John and I have been listening to a lot of hockey podcasts, and it's been great. One reason it's been so great to listen to? Well, because we use Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge, trust me. Raycons give you 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. The Raycon wireless earbuds John and I both use offer three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, and my personal favorite feature, the awareness mode that lets you hear outside of the earbuds when they're in your ears 
while listening to songs, podcasts, video games, whatever you're using your Raycon wireless earbuds for. Not only have I been using my Raycon wireless earbuds to listen to podcasts, but I've also been using them to listen to music, play video games, watch TV shows, pretty much anything audio related that I need. So go to buyraycon.com today and use code THPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code THPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code THPN15. So uh, I think a big theme of this podcast so far has been the the term bounce back. And uh, another player I'm looking at for a bounce back season uh, is Kyle Palmieri. You saw how he finished his season last season, right? We alluded to the fact that he only scored one in 29 or, or, or two in 30 games, uh, something like that. And then he went on 14 in his last 40. Mm -hmm. Um, He went on a ripper for that one. And, And this is a player who, you know, when he was in the prime of his career with the devils, uh, he was a consistent 25 to 30 goal scorer. Uh, can he get th- get to that point again uh, in, this season with the Islanders? And, and what does his deployment need to look like? Should he be in the top six or is he pecked for like maybe a third line bottom six role? Yeah, and talking to a couple of players too, he's noted as the hairiest player in the NHL top three. So we love <laughs> Kyle Palmieri being an Italian as well. I, I... I'm with you. Like last year was really, really difficult. Like he, he never really got cooking, but in the second half, specifically in the last 20 games. And I know this because I had him in fantasy hockey and watched quite a bit of Islanders hockey. It seemed like every time he touched the puck, it was going in the net. He had a couple of disallowed goals that one game. There was like a, a flurry of like three, four games where there was, yeah, it was ridiculous. Like, and some of them should have counted at that. Um, So when you're hot, you're hot. And that's what happens when you're, you know, a consistent goal scorer in this league. So, I think a couple more go his way. It's an easy 20 goals at least. Like my expectation, if you want to set the bar low for Cal Palmieri, 20 goals, but I'm looking for 25 to 30. And again, like it's it's always been sc- scoring by committee with this team, right? For as long as I can remember. Again, and I still think and I'm anticipating they pick up that hired gun eventually. But scoring by committee and you can expect 25 to 30 from Cal Palmieri, that, that is the extra boost you need to help your Wallstroms, to help your your Barzells, oh, yeah. your Lees, your Nelsons. Like, it just goes a long way. So if you can get a bit more from Kyle Palmieri, I think it just it, it leads them in the right direction, at least. Yeah, you know, so it's funny. Right now, now we're, we're talking about goal scorers, and, and the narrative around the Islanders has constantly been, well, they need guys who can put the puck in the net. But we talk about Kyle Palmieri, who can score 25 to 30 goals. We talk about Oliver Wallstrom. If he has his breakout season, maybe he gets 20 goals, right? Andrews Lee, you can yep. book him for 25-30. Brock Nelson just came off a 37-goal season. Can he reach 40, uh, or does he regress back to his shooting percentage because it was a little elevated this yeah, season, um, which is always a possibility. But now, all of a sudden, you're talking about a bunch of players who can score you. Anthony Bavillier, we didn't even mention. If he if he has that consistent year, 20 goals for him, no problem, something he's done before. Yeah. All of a sudden, they have a bunch of guys that can put the puck in the net. So now we're talking about a team who not only has a bunch of goal scorers, but it's throughout the whole the whole lineup. You know, and and we I didn't even mention the fact that Casey Zizekas at one point has scored twenty goals. Uh, yeah. JG Pajot at one point has scored twenty goals. So you know, it, we we constantly talk about the narrative that the Islanders need more goal scoring, but really, like you said, Nick, the scoring by committee is there, and it adds up too, right? I think you just look at recent winners, Colorado. I know it's all about McKinnon and Ranton and those guys, but the depth scoring was massive. Your Nachushkins of the world, your JT Confers, your Nazem Kadri's. My perfect example is the St. Louis Blues. Remember that season? They had Alex Steen on their fourth line, ripping 15 to 20 tucks a year. Like it, There's just yep. depth. In this day and age of analytics and the way the game is played, 
you know, it's acceptable to have a guy who could be a first liner play on your fourth line or your third line or boost his minutes in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like it's a way different game and a way different ball game at that. So I totally agree with you. And again, scoring by committee is not a bad thing. Um, I think it brings you to a certain level. And then in the postseason, you need, you know, those players to get you over the top and score those big time goals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. I want to transition to the blue line for the Islanders here. Yeah. And I was reading some of the point projections uh, for defensemen uh, by NHL fantasy. Um, and it projects quite an uptick in offense for the Islanders on the blue line. I, I'm, I'm sure. Did you take a look at that, Nick? I did. I'm just chuckling because Pete Jensen is a New York Islanders fan. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, so. let's read off. Let's read off the, the uh, projections for the Islanders top four here. And, and they're projecting yeah. Noah Dobson to have a repeat season, maybe uh, do a little bit better with 55 points. Uh, Ryan Pollock, 40 points, something that you could see happen. He scored 35 a number of times before. Uh, Alexander Romanov, 33 points. And uh, Adam Pellick, 30 points here. Uh, what's causing this optimism that the New York Islanders blue line will suddenly have this uptick in production? Yeah, so we talked about this the other day, like Romanov, um, Pete felt like he was underutilized in terms of the power play with Montreal. So maybe he runs a second power play unit, but then what does that mean for the other guys you just mentioned? Um, I just think Pete and I were in unison and Anna as well, that last year was more so of an anomaly as we've discussed in the first half hour here, than it was the Islanders just being a crappy hockey team. If that makes sense. Um, I think there's obviously a lot of positives to grab from this roster and there's the expectation that. They're going to provide more offense and guys are going to have bounce back seasons. Like you talk about Barzell and the points are going to be there, right? I think to, to move the puck up as quickly as possible to have Noah Dobson playing the way he is. I think Ryan Pulik's in, in line for an even better season. Um, you know, Pelic as well, like those type of guys, I think you see their potential. And then there's some games you're like, wow, they can get to another level. And that's what I think encouraged them to maybe, spice things up when it comes to the Islanders offense. Cause I think we're all in unison that the Islanders are going to be a better offensive team again, than people are giving them credit for. I think a lot of people are just sleeping on the Islanders going into this season, maybe more so. And again, it's a recency thing because they missed the playoffs last year, but let's not forget uh, a good chunk of that roster that went to back-to-back -back conference finals is still with this team, right? Right. Absolutely. And uh, you know, I think that's just exactly the way Islander fans like it, right? They like being the underdog. They like being spoken yeah. about in negative connotation and, and then mm -hmm. the, the prove people wrong. You're mentality, telling me. Which, yeah. The, <laughs> which the, the team is taking on at this point too. Uh, you know, they're all talking about how they have a bit of a chip on their shoulder, ready to come in. The, one of the, the point projections I like there is Ryan Pollock at 40, uh, 40 points, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, I look at his history. He scored 35. He scored 37. He scored 35 in, in three consecutive seasons. The, the big thing for me there is his goal totals. He scored 10, 9, and 10 in, in three consecutive years. Um, that's a lot from the blue line, in, in my opinion. You, you, you could see another season like that from him uh, just because, you know, two seasons ago he had that dreadful year where he only scored like uh, a couple of goals. I think it was one or two in the 56-game season, but he had a 1.2 shooting percentage. Um, but 40 points, that has to say – you know, you, you can see the puck going in the net a little bit more now, right? Yeah, and a big time reason is that bomb of a shot, right? Like, he has yeah. one of the best top shots in the league. And I just think if you can find a way to utilize that, whether it's on the power play, whether it's five on five, five on three, like, you, you do so. Like, you know, before it came on, we were joking about the Mighty Ducks D2 poster. Fulton Reed had a blast of a shot. Just get it off. Get it off. Not to compare, uh, you know, Pulak to... to, to to, to read but I mean it's it's one of those things where if you can find those holes if you're him to get that shot off more times than not 
it's going to be tough for the opposing netminer to stop. I don't care if it's Vasilevsky. I don't care who it is. So I think they're going to try to find a way to utilize and ignite him a bit more in their offense than they have in the past. And I think you look again at the playmakers on the roster, namely Matthew Barzell, to, to put it on a tee for him. Because I think on that alone, knowing how hard he can shoot the puck, he should score a couple more goals than he has in the past couple of years. One out of five, right, Nick? One out of five. Yeah, there you go. I love uh, the reference. <laughs> um, I think the most interesting one to me, though, out of the the top four in the Islanders defense um, is Alexander Romanov. And not just because he's the newest Islander on the team, the only new Islander on the team, um, but just because you can see why Dobson, Pollock, and Pellick are projected to something close that they've already done before, right? Pellick with 28 points last season. Pollock has a history of scoring 35 points. And uh, Dobson had 51 points last season. But Romanov, um, his highest total, his career high in the NHL was 13 points. Uh, and in the KHL, I think his highest to point total was like seven. So what's causing mm -hmm. the optimism there for, for Romanov? You alluded to it a little bit with the uh, with the deployment in Montreal. But is there anything else there that, that, that causes optimism? I know John had a hot take earlier. Here's my hot take. I think this is Mikhail Sergachev 2.0, if you know what I'm saying, where Montreal Ooh, dealt this I've heard guy this before. and he turns into a stud. Um, I, I just think Romanov's a guy who is continuing to grow. He's 22. Like, I I understand they got Kirby Doc. I understand there's new management and a new regime. But to deal, uh, you know, a defenseman, and you look now, and what does this team need, the Montreal Canadiens, is D and young D. So I understand to get, you have to give. So I understand that whole conversation. But it's pretty much Druen for Sergachev, and it's now Doc for Romanov. That's how I, I no, I'm handicapping it at least. Uh, I just think the Islanders see a lot of potential. Um, I think as a guy who can eat up minutes, a big time hitter. I think Islanders fans will fall in love with this guy really, really quickly of how physical he plays the game, can kill penalties, and again, he can run a power play from time to time. I just think he's a perfect example of a player that could benefit from a change of scenery. And again, he's just 22. And we know in this day and age, we know in the NHL world that, you know, a lot of young defensemen don't really hit their peak till they're about 25, 26, 27. So, yeah, I'm encouraged by this pickup. I know they gave up quite a bit to get him, but it's a very Lou Lamarillo type pickup. Do not sleep on Romanov. Yeah, I, I hear that. And I think the Islanders are, are the way they justified this was that you hope to draft an Alexander Romanov at 13th mm -hmm. overall. And that's that's why they yep. made that trade. Um, and the, the crazy thing to me was I didn't know this until after the trade happened. I was doing a little bit of research, but, you know, Romanov and, and, uh, and Noah Dobson were born just a day apart and you could see them being okay. a tandem, you know, heading into this season, Pollock and Pellick are probably going to be back together. Uh, and Mayfield's going to be on the third pair with player X soon to be named. Uh, and so it kind of looks like Romanov and Dobson are going to be, be together. They're, you know, going to be hopefully a tandem, uh, for a long time in this league. And they could be one of the better, uh, defensive pairs moving forward, maybe one that can flourish into a first pairing uh, tandem for the Islanders. Yeah, that's very, very scary when you think about it on paper, especially given the season that Dobson's coming off. Like, you know, Light really, really hit offensively. I think defensively he was much better than people give him credit for last season. And I just think it's your classic, like, strong defensive defenseman and strong offensive defenseman and all-world defenseman potential in Dobson. You put them together and there's going to be like a give-and-take type aspect where, hey, you skate up this time, I'll, I'll stay back, you know? And I, I think as they play and get more reps with each other and feel each other out, I think it, it, you know, to your point, it definitely has the potential to be a very, very, you know, strong decor in general, but pairing in general. I think you look at that that top four, 
I think the Islanders should be feeling really, really good, at least on paper, as to what they've put forward. But I think that's obviously why they picked him up is to put him with Dobson here. Yeah, and and, and that that's got to be the idea, right? Like I said, born just a day apart from each other, both twenty two years old. So uh, moving forward, that that could be a scary tandem uh, moving forward. But but speaking of tandems, um, you know, moving and moving into the the uh, crease situation for the Islanders here. Lane Lambert alluded to the possibility that Sorokin, or not the possibility, he said Sorokin and Varlamov are going to be competing for crease time this season. Uh, if you had to put a number to it, Nick, how many starts does Sorokin get versus how many does Varlamov get this year? So I, you know, I understand what they're doing. You want to create a healthy competition, and we've seen this since day one since Sorokin came to North America. But I think you you, you can't ignore the obvious that Ilya Sorokin is on the precipice of being like an elite, elite goalie in this league. And you have Varlamov, yeah. who you're clearly moving on from at some point in time. Like, you just can't afford him um, with, with the salary cap situation. You have to go with a cheaper option. And Sorokin's ready to take that baton. So... I wouldn't be shocked if we see, you know, 55 starts from Sorokin. Like, I think there's going to be some pushback from Avar Lamov, but I think when push comes to shove and assuming this team makes the Stanley Cup playoffs, there will be no question, at least in my world at that time, who's starting that first game. Whereas maybe the last couple of years where this team was a playoff team, you had your questions or maybe it favored Varlamov. And you can't forget, too, like the ideology is a bit different now with Barry Trotz not on the, now in the mix. Uh, you know, who knows who Lane Lambert uh, you know, favors too. But I, again, if you if I'm handicapping things right now, which I am, I think Ilya Sorokin will be the number one goaltender at some point in time this season. Yeah, and and you know, based on you know, he had some really good numbers last season. I know he had a two four zero GAA, and he had something like a, a nine two five save percentage, which is which yeah. is good numbers. But considering the team that he was in net four, and and how often they were losing, and how many goals they were giving up, uh, you, you yeah. could see a situation where with a better uh, blue line in front of him and, and hopefully a better team overall uh, Sorokin in the Vezina conversation this year. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And just, just to, to continue on with my point, like, you know, 82 games, I could see 50, 55 starts for Sorokin and around, you know, 30, 32 starts for Varlamov, if that makes sense. Like I, I do think they're leaning towards Sorokin being that guy. But definitely, um, you know, Sorokin comes to mind, Thatcher Demko with the Vancouver Canucks. I think you're really going to start to see some new blood come to the forefront when it comes to that Vesna conversation uh, to join the likes of Vasilevsky, you know, Shesterkin, Yu Saros, uh, Markstrom. Like there's that next wave of goalie, and I think we're going to see it this year. I think Sorokin's going to be in that combo for sure, and he has in the last couple of years too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I said last year, I think he's a, he's a top three goaltender. I mean, you saw the, yep. the flashes of brilliance, all, all the highlight reels that he, he, you know, gave himself over in the KHL, you, you expected him to come to the NHL and maybe, maybe show a little bit of regression, right? He can't be that good. Mm -hmm. It's the KHL, but you know, all the respect in the world to that league over there, it's, it's excellent. But when you come to the NHL, you didn't expect to see more of the same. And, and he just, he got better and better as every game went on. And, you know, a, a couple of struggles here and there when the Islanders really were down last season. But, man, the the, the highlight reel uh, saves that he's made night in and night out, just, you know, the jaw-dropping ones, especially that one against Panarin. I don't know if you remember watching that one that night when the when the net was wide open and there was just a yeah. gimme goal for Artemi Panarin. He just reaches back with his paddle and midair swipes it out of the air. So, uh, and, and you, you anticipate seeing more of that, which – you know, he, he did receive save of the year, uh, save of the year for 2021, 22. So uh, I do anticipate him being in the, the best in a conversation uh, next season. 
Yeah, there's a reason why the analytics community is horny about the guy, right? He's an exceptional goalie, <laughs> but his numbers, his metrics, they're phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Nick, I think that's all we got for you this week. One last question we have for you. It's going to be the way too early edition of this, and John's going to hate me for asking. Uh, <laughs> but when the Islanders are inevitably in the playoffs by the time the trade deadline comes, what's your way too early prediction uh, for the Islanders at the deadline? Who will be in blue and orange? Uh, by the time February rolls around. I'll give like you a second to think about it. Yeah, so, yeah, unless you ahead. have something, go for it. I was going to say, is somebody has to move out. I think that's that's the PTO. If something was going to come in on, you know, especially on defense, that, that third pair next to Mayfield is open. They're at their roster limit. So that's kind of what, that's a huge question too. Like he, Lamarillo struggled to move a contract out. And now it's, not beyond that like you're at your roster limit in the middle of the season that's the interesting part too so not it's i don't think the question is who do they get but who's leaving the team like they're they just unless somebody's going on waivers or something like that like it's a more complicated the inevitable question. injury the inevitable injury something like that but i, I don't know that you want to bank on that necessarily look at you know they you know, lee went down and they they did go on a run but they really could have used that guy so mm -hmm. you don't that that's that's a tough thing. So just to add a layer on to it, uh, sorry to interrupt. Oh no, no worries. Uh, yeah, I was sort of googling the free agent crop. Um, I, I was just saying that um, you know I, I like to think that they're going to be in on Patrick Kane behind the scenes, and who knows if it comes to fruition. I think it's very very likely he's dealt at the deadline. I think it's going to be a saga that plays out all season. I think if you're looking for a defenseman, John Klingberg could be the play. Um, I don't think Anaheim's going to make the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, I think there's a bit of uh, correlation with like a James Van Riemsdyk, who's a free agent. Um, you know, just there, there's going to be guys that are available that we don't think about right now, if that makes sense. I know it's a tough answer. Um, I'm trying sure, to handicap no. who would be that guy. So I'll, I'll say John Klingberg. I don't know off the top of my head. Interesting that you went to defense. I, I figured you would go forward. Um, but I, I, I will echo the, the sentiment that you said with Patrick Kane, and, and that's something that I've yeah. been told behind the scenes as well. You know, watch out for that Lou Lamorello guy uh, in their time together with Team USA. So uh, something to, to keep an eye on there. Um, but John knows this. There's, there's a drum that I've been banging on for a little while now. He's going to be a uh, free agent headed into this summer. And I'm banging on that Timo Meyer drum because what the heck are the Sharks doing over in San Jose? Uh, if that guy is made available and is no longer going to be uh, in the future plans with San Jose, you pry that guy uh, as fast as you can from mm -hmm. them. Uh, and if, if it costs you a guy like, you know, William DeFore or Naturatu, you do that, right? Because his age is perfect with the, you know, the the window of Matthew Barzell and what his trajectory will be. And if you pair a guy like Timo Meyer with Barzell, you have only limitless opportunities for what your team can do, uh, adding a guy like him at the deadline and, and, and for your future. Yeah, that, that's going to be obviously a big name to watch uh, between now and the deadline. Tarasenko is another. I think if, if St. Louis is somehow not in the conversation to make the playoffs, I think Tarasenko has just been the perfect match since day one, guys. I, I would have liked to see them get him like two years ago. It didn't happen. The guy asked for a trade, still there. To the best of my knowledge, still haven't, hasn't rescinded that trade request, and he's still a St. Louis Blues. So um, at the very least, I think they'll be very, very active, and there'll be some attractive names next summer. I know we don't want to hear that. But I'm right there with you. Meyer's the guy I would chase because, again, the age factor and the potential factor. 
Yeah, that you know, something that that uh, Lamarolo has been traditional with before is when his team is yeah. going to head to the playoffs, he's he's there to to make the upgrade. We saw it with Paul Mary, we saw it with uh, uh, JG Paggio, and and those guys stuck mm-hmm. around. So there's reason to believe that will happen again uh, if they're in the conversation. Um, in the summer is a different story, uh, but that's a conversation for next summer. Uh, as of right now, Nick, we thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Uh, do us a favor and do everybody listening a favor. Plug yourself. Let us know where we can read you, listen to you, uh, and and tweet at you on Twitter. Uh, plug yourself, please. Yeah, firstly, uh, it was my pleasure. Uh, number two, I think Islanders fans need to get off my back because they see me on social media. They don't actually <laughs> listen to my content because I actually you know, give this team considerable props than I have since the beginning. Nobody knows the genesis of the story as to why Islanders fans hate me to begin with, but we'll leave that for next podcast. Um, and as for where you can see my information, uh, sportsnet.ca, I host NHL, NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast alongside Pete Jensen and at the Golden Muzzy on Twitter and Instagram. And again, I appreciate your time today. It's a lot of fun. And believe it or not, I, I like the Islanders more than people think I do. And, and you know, the, the day oneers know that, and that's why they respect me. Absolutely. The title of this episode will 100% be, John, that Nick Alberga loves the New York Islanders. Uh, once again, thank you for joining us today, Nick. Uh, please rate, review, and sus- subscribe wherever you listen to or watch the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Nassman Hockey. Uh, you can find my work at The Fourth Period. You can find John's work at The Hockey Writers. Uh, make sure to check out Isles Fix, uh, an excellent curated Islanders newsletter that's sure to be returning uh, very shortly with the season about to start. Uh, and until next time, everyone, let's go Islanders. <laughs>